0: It's time for The Rundown with Rob Sanders.
1: Well, we're waiting. Welcome into The Rundown. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. My name is Rob Sanders. I'm on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. Appreciate you folks checking out the program as usual. Today, well, I know we're uh, th- the, the hashtag is we're all in this together. Are you getting stir-crazy yet? We'll take some calls on that later on. And What I mean by stir-crazy is is that I have a huge void in my life right now. That void, ladies and gentlemen, is me late at night. I say late at night. Late at night in the Sanders household is 9, 30, 10 o'clock with the children. Uh, I say that time of night you can generally hear me cursing under my breath in my house because the Atlanta Braves bullpen is, you know, basically putting the Braves out of the playoff picture, in my mind. Because in my mind, those games in April mean so much to me. And if the Braves go, you know, let's say they have 26 games, 24 games in April. If they go 19-5, and but four of those they were leading after the seventh inning, you're going to hear me talking about, well, they could have been 23-1 and at the pitching staff. The back end of the pitching staff would have been great. I'm having that problem. I don't have that to gripe about. So now I've got several other things that are kind of sort of taking up the void, including uh, I've, I've mentioned by <laughs> how I've gotten caught up in the Tiger King thing. And I'm watching old, uh, old action movies from the 80s. Yeah, all kind of stupid stuff, stuff that I would never like have time to do. That's kind of where I'm at in the in the Sanders household. And we'll talk a little bit about what you're using to fill the void later on. But I did get to have some semblance of a normalcy this afternoon when I got to talk to Joe Healy from Baseball America. You know, just because the world is basically shut down doesn't mean that there's not baseball to talk about. Joe Healy joins me to talk about everything from the Major League Baseball draft, To uh, why he doesn't want to watch the Tiger King. All of that and a lot more in this interview with Joe Healy. Welcome into the program this afternoon. Friend of the program, of course, from Baseball America, Joe Healy joins us. Joe, welcome back to the program.
2: Hey, thanks, Rob. Happy to be here. I'm uh, coming to you live from my uh, home bunker here in Durham, North Carolina. i hunkered down like everybody else. Good to join you. Good Good to, uh, I mean, this brings a little bit of normalcy to me, I feel like, being on your show and and talking about a little college baseball, even if we don't have the games to uh, talk about specifically.
1: Well, have you renamed your home yet? Because, like, I I mean, I've renamed my buddy Lawton Swan's home, uh, Castle de Swan. So, (laughs) and my my wife and I are trying to come up with a good name for our house, but... (laughs) You know, we got. I'm trying to figure out like uh, the stuff that I do at home. I'm gonna I'm gonna rename my house something. I might call it the uh, the College Baseball Memorial uh, Studios or something because you know we kind of miss college baseball really bad right about now. But have you come up with something creative for your house yet?
2: No, but maybe I kind of like your train of thought there. Giving it a college baseball, uh, I could call it the Rosenblatt Stadium Memorial Home. (laughs) You know the. shout out to rosenblatt stadium formerly the home of the college world series i'll have to give that some thought That's a fun little thought exercise i hadn't uh hadn't gone down that road yet well i mentioned
1: uh having to hold yourself up at the house right now and what are you doing to fill the coronavirus void now i've asked everyone that i've had on the show the past couple of weeks everyone from uh the former ufc champion michael bisbing to uh Uh, Sam Smith, the guy that wrote the Jordan Rules, and everybody is doing something completely different. I've admitted that I've watched the Tiger King. I've also watched some Chuck Norris movies. Uh, I watched Dirty Harry the other day. Uh, What are you doing to fill the void?
2: Well, a couple things. I mean, one, uh, we're fortunate, I guess, at Baseball America that the, the MLB draft is still coming. So you know that from a college standpoint, we're still doing a little bit of that, and the news keeps breaking. So we've we've been pretty busy here uh, at the job, but but still, I mean, you're you're left with, you know, what am I doing in the evenings and doing you know on the weekends and whatnot, and a lot of the same things you guys are. I've not gotten into the Tiger King. I um my take on the Tiger King is we're kind of all in this place where there's a lot of bad news going on in the world. And we're all kind of dealing with being a little bit anxious and a little bit run down from having to be stuck inside our homes. And from what I've heard, there's not a lot of redeeming value to those characters. Um, And I just don't know that I want to watch however many episodes of a bunch of people who I don't feel good about and make me feel a little bit icky. Now, talk to me and another two months when we're still stuck inside. Maybe I get around to it, but for right now I'm trying to be a little bit more positive with my TV watching. I think I've really enjoyed CBS sports is doing the, the old college basketball, March madness games and college basketball is a sport. I don't get to watch a ton of because it overlaps so much with college baseball. Um, so it's actually, especially the tournament during the NCAA tournament is right when conference play starts for college baseball. So I'm usually a little bit checked out of the NCAA tournament, so that's actually been kind of nice. So I- I'm doing my best. I haven't resorted to uh, you know picking up uh, some sort of uh, hobby like woodworking or anything yet. But uh, again, stay tuned. Maybe this summer that's uh, coming to uh, coming to a home near near me. Well.
1: I, I when you watch the Tiger King not that I'm trying to defend the Tiger King because the way that you put it out there it makes me feel bad that I watched it <laughs> so, but <laughs> well, I, I intention. I can look at my Facebook and Twitter feed and then I can realize we can all pray together when this is over and kind of you know kind of push that out a little bit but uh, <laughs> it, it it it's it's a train wreck and and I admit that but There are some good things out there that you can watch. You mentioned some of the stuff that's there. You can go to YouTube and find tons of old college baseball games you want to watch. I mean, it's it's really cool right now. You have a chance to kind of step back a little bit and maybe see something that you haven't seen before. Uh, My buddy Teddy Hefner was on yesterday, and he's like, wouldn't you like to watch um, the perfect game in the World Series? That, uh, that happened, in what, in the 50s? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's something say. that would be yeah. great to watch. I mean, as a baseball guy, I'd love to watch something like that.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, um, you know as time goes on and we kind of get into what would have been the baseball season I imagine we'll see more of that right now it feels like a lot of the old games that are being shown have been more basketball focused because that's kind of the the uh, season we were in so I'm, I'm hoping to see a little bit more of that and it's funny you mentioned YouTube because me and my, my colleague Teddy at, at Baseball America are doing a series right now where I wrote a post a couple a couple weeks ago when this all first started um, with, with 10 games that you can great college baseball games you can watch on YouTube right now um, and so I just went on YouTube and found a bunch of games put them in a Host. And now Teddy and I are doing a podcast series where we do one game a week. We talk about that game. We have a guest on that either coached or played in that game. And it's been kind of cool to go back and live those games through their eyes and, and talk about it with them and i'm looking forward to actually doing another post of 10 games once we run out of these 10 and so that's kind of been a little bit of fun that's actually kind of fun for me to go on youtube and just like search because that's something i really haven't had time to really ever do but now i i got all the time in the world in the evenings i just can go through youtube and really dig deep because some stuff you, you you never know what you're going to find in there that's for sure
1: you are definitely right about that and um uh, a quick mention: I have the top ten Clemson football games. They're all on my blog page at FoxSportsRadio1400.com. And watch the full games are right there. So go and check those out. Because I know, of course, here in in the South, it's college football season year round. You can go and catch some of the great games there. I'm going to put up some baseball stuff here before too long, though. And I have to admit, it's going to lean heavily towards the Atlanta Braves because I'm biased. I can't. I can't really. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get out of that. Joe, I'm really trying, but we'll have some of that stuff up for you on the blog page here before long. But something else great is you can go to the Baseball America website. And Joe, you've written some really interesting articles. And uh, I wrote down in my notes here, ask him about Itchy from Corpus Christi. Tell us about the story uh, of Itchy from Corpus Christi.
2: Yeah, outfielder named Itchy Burtz, uh for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. He has. We, we put out this list of the best 50 names in college baseball, which we just uh, put out today. As a matter of fact, um, every year we do this, and he has been number one on the list the last three years. Now, what's funny is we kind of uh, we're kind of like, okay, it's probably going to be Itchy Burts at number one again this year. So, like, let's because it's a senior year this year, or was supposed to be and because it's a senior year, it'll be the last year he's on the list, like, let's actually do a story about him. So I, I tracked that down and did the story on him, which you can also read on the site uh, today. Um, and, and we, we kind of thought, okay, we'll blow this coverage out. We'll, like, really do it right, and then send him off with that. Well, now, with the legislation that you can come back for another year, and, and he wants to come back for another year, now we've got to figure out where we're going to put him at the, on top of the list again next year. So we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe he gets promoted to kind of like a, an emeritus position, like at a, a university professor that moves on to being tenured and then moves on to administration or something. I don't know, but we'll have to discuss that. But yeah, he's, he's um, his name is David Burtz, um, so his given name is not Itchy, and he got the nickname when he was really little, and when he first started playing baseball, one of his coaches said he, he looked like Ichiro, because he had a swing like Ichiro. You may remember when Ichiro would hit, he would kind of start running out of the box before he the ball had gotten to the plate, kind of like a softball player almost. And that's kind of how he played. And so they called him Ichi, like short for Ichiro. And so Ichi just became itchy over time. And uh, so the big moment here was when he got to college, he could have gone by David Burtz. And he says, when I got to Corpus Christi, they they had me fill out a sheet that said, what's your, your given name? What's your preferred name? What's your, what name do you want on the roster? And I think if I were him, um, I would have probably put David Burtz because I assumed that's what I was supposed to put. You know, just my my, my roster name should be my real name. But he said, you know what? I'm going to put it. You can't hurt and uh, he's been going by itchy ever since then and, and on top of the fact that it's just a great name uh, he's a really good player i mean he hit 400 two years ago uh, doesn't strike out hardly at all um, also doesn't walk a ton so that's kind of where it's it's funny they they nicknamed named him after ichiro because he has a similar game to ichiro in terms of doesn't walk a lot doesn't strike out a lot makes a ton of contact beats out a bunch of infield hits not a very big guy he's 5'7 170 um he's just a really interesting player and that's one of the great things that's great about college baseball is there i mean this guy is a story because he's got a funny name and because he's a good player but there are stories like this all over the country with really good players who are just kind of overlooked so i was kind of happy to be able to shine a light on him and say that, like, look, yes, okay, he's been number one on our list of names for three years in a row, but also he's a three thirty seven career hitter and, you know, is one of the best players in his conference, the Southland Conference, and so it was kind of cool to be able to, to bring that to light as well.
1: Now you mentioned that, but I mean that goes into something that's bigger here. With the we're basically where uh, seniors can come back, and but it's going to affect the juniors as well, right? Because you mentioned the the draft earlier on. I mean, guys have that leverage tool of you know what I can play another season. I mean, that's kind of a big deal.
2: Yeah, no doubt, and it makes it a little more complicated now, just because. um, So, you know, everyone will be able to. You know, everyone's getting that year back. So they're getting, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Everyone's getting that year back. So in theory, no one's really losing anything. If you were a senior this year, hoping to be drafted as a senior, even without that leverage, you still have that. If you're a junior, you're not really losing any leverage necessarily. But the thing is, and and with Carlos Colazo, our draft writer at Baseball America, has has talked about this that more and more teams are placing emphasis on age. There are certain teams that, if you look at the age of their draft their draftees. All of their draftees skew younger. So if it's a high school kid, it's you know someone who's on the young side of eighteen, as opposed to closer to nineteen. And if it's a college kid, they're drafting the draft, you know, the, the kid who's a draft eligible sophomore who's not quite twenty one, um, just because they're they're betting on getting more time to allow that kid to mature. So if you're a junior who is. 21 years old and now you're going to be next year a redshirt junior now you're going to be 22 so in terms of age you'll be closer to a senior and so that's a little a piece that they have to consider there but it's going to create a roster crunch across college baseball i mean you've got the draft is getting cut down to somewhere between five and ten rounds so there are going to be a lot of guys who are expecting to get drafted who just aren't going to be and, and some will sign as undrafted free agents but the max cap on what you can sign for undrafted is twenty thousand dollars under this new agreement. Uh, that's not a ton of money, and so there's a lot of kids that are going to try to are going to want to come back to campus that we're expecting to be off in pro ball. And oh, by the way, you've got recruiting classes coming in this fall, and because the draft is shorter, that high school kid who might have gotten drafted in the seventeenth, eighteenth round. And their pro team threw a bunch of money at them because they wanted to have them start their pro career rather than go to college. Suddenly, that kid's not getting drafted anymore, and here he comes to his SEC or ACC or whatever university to play college baseball. And so, if you're, you know, if you're a college coach, you've, you know, now they've done some alleviation with the aid and being able to spread the roster and scholarships. But just from a which nine guys am I going to play on a given day standpoint, that's going to get really, really complicated.
1: I, I agree with you on that. There's going to be a lot of rosters that are just just crunching. I think a lot of a lot of teams from say the SEC and the ACC they're going to have an a, an overload of talent. I think the transfer portal is going to be hot. I think a lot of teams or from like say the SoCon and smaller conferences like that are going to get some players that would play at Power Five schools, and they're going to get them simply because they don't have uh, the bigger schools don't have the The space for them i really think that's going to happen in the long run
2: that's right i I talked to a coach um just the other day who told me i'm holding scholarships because i know these kids are going to go it's a mid-major level coach and he said i know that these kids are going to go to these power conference teams and then because of the roster crunch some of these kids that thought they were going to be able to play right away that's not going to be a reality and it's going to trickle down and there's going to be a ton of transfers and he was like i think the end of the summer is just going to be bonkers in terms of transfers. And he's like, so I'm, I'm holding scholarships, just kind of waiting to see where those dominoes fall. And I think that's um, kind of a smart approach, honestly. Um, now, not everyone has that luxury, and things have to kind of work out to where you could be able to hold those scholarships. But um, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think there is going to be a lot of roster movement, and I think it's an opportunity for, if you're a mid-major school, you mentioned the SOCON. I mean, those are, there's a lot of really good teams in the SOCON that could maybe be put over the top from being just a a good team that can maybe win the SOCON, get to a regional, to a team that, hey, maybe they can make a run. Uh, You know, if you're already a good team and now you're able to bring in a couple of transfers from guys who would have been at SEC schools, and oh, by the way, you bring back a bunch of seniors who were supposed to be gone by now, you're an older team, you're a more experienced team, you're a more talented team. So I think there's an opportunity for some mid-majors to, to maybe be able to rise up in 2021 and be a little bit better and more talented than they would be otherwise. And and I think that'll make college baseball kind of fun. Now, it's, it's a headache for the coaches. I'm not downplaying that at all. But from just an observer standpoint, I think there's going to be an opportunity for college baseball to be a lot of fun and for the talent to be really spread out next year.
1: You know, in a vacuum, let's say that uh, the summer leagues, and I mean leagues like the Cape Cod League and, and the uh the Coastal Plains League and stuff like that, if they're able to get their season in, what do you think is going to be the effect on that? I think that players that uh, maybe wouldn't have played in those leagues are probably now going to be jumping at the chance to get into those leagues.
2: Oh, hundred percent and and I 'm not going to pretend to be any sort of expert on how the rostering situation works in summer ball because I know a lot of that stuff is decided far ahead of time on who 's going where um, and so you know I, I, so i don 't know how much of that is locked in, and i don 't know how much of that is now being kind of uh, shifted to figure out who's going to be where and um, and, of course, the, the big question is, are they even going to play summer ball? And I don't mean to be alarmist, of course, but, I mean, it seems like it's kind of trending that way where we're going to hit a point in the summer where, where you know, we're not sure exactly if we're going to be able to, to, to play ball here. And I think some of the cue will be taken from MLB and what they ultimately decide to do. And I've got no inside information. I don't think anybody has any inside information on that. We're all just waiting. But summer ball is going to be really important for the, those players to kind of get out there and actually compete. Um. So, I, there, you know, it's it's kind of in vogue now for certain players to not play summer ball if they're trying to maybe stay on campus and get stronger or if, you know, if you're a pitcher, you don't want to throw more innings. But I think the opposite will be true this year. If we get some semblance of summer ball, there's going to be kids itching to get out there. And, and I think it's also going to be for coaches to really get a chance to evaluate. I mean, I think that might be an early opportunity to evaluate what you have for the coaches who maybe otherwise would just kind of, you know, have their kids go off to summer ball and maybe just kind of talk with their summer ball coaches here and there. I think that's going to be a little more intense in terms of trying to figure out, try to get an early jump on what your roster looks like by taking a look at your guys in summer ball a little more.
1: Uh, My final question for Joe Healy from Baseball America, one of the posts that you have up at BaseballAmerica.com, it rates the top 20 pitching performances of the season uh number one on the list is Oklahoma's Dane Acker going up pitching nine innings no hits uh no runs one walk and 11 Ks against LSU when I when I I remember reading your story on that and I'm like wow that is just one lightning rod of a performance was that your your favorite of the season or did you have one that you liked a little more than that
2: I think that was my favorite one just because it's uh, for for a number of reasons I mean um so I was a little bit jealous because my colleague Teddy was actually the one at that game, and he was he so he got to see that live and it really raved about how good of a performance it was. So I'm, one of the things that's underrated about that is the opposite pitcher AJ Labis for LSU is on this list as well. He's number seven. Uh, he gave up one hit against against Oklahoma in that game. It just happened to be a solo home run, and so that's what ended up losing the game for LSU. So just great pitching on both sides. But so it's not just that it was a no hitter. It's not just that it was against LSU. It's not just that the other pitcher was absolutely shoving as well. You know, it was at Minute Maid Park as part of the tournament there. And then also, Dane Acker was a key piece of the puzzle for Oklahoma. Like, two-thirds of their rotation, Cade Cavalli and Levi Prater were returning guys who we knew were going to be more than likely outstanding. Cade Cavalli was a Team USA guy. Levi Prater is, is a guy who's just been really solid for them throughout his career. And the the, the, the it kind of hinged on Dane Acker is if this Oklahoma rotation was going to be just really good or absolutely outstanding. And he showed flashes. Now, he also had some starts early this season that weren't so great so it kind of remained to be seen if he could be consistent with it but with this this outing he showed us that he had that in him and that oklahoma's rotation had a chance to be you know one of the best in the country now of course we're we're never going to really get to see that play out and that's one of the the many many tragedies of us losing the season like we did
1: joe healy from baseball america and of course i know you guys are putting out a podcast soon but uh tell people where they can find your stuff and where they can follow you on twitter
2: Yeah, baseballamerica.com. My colleague Teddy and I are are really committed to, honestly, and I know everyone's going to say this, and I'm sure everyone means it, but I I can promise you from the internal meetings we've had at Baseball America and the discussions we've had that uh, we're working as hard as ever. Um, There's a lot of news breaking, so we're covering all of that. Uh, My colleague has a a great piece on the site uh, that kind of explains the decision to allow everyone to come back for a year in college baseball. So I would encourage you to read that if you're just looking for a very – Straightforward, plain language explainer on what's going on and the ramifications of it. So go check that out. But baseballamerica.com. We've got some serious stuff. We've got some fun stuff, like our top 50 names list. But but we're going to keep it coming. Our our goal is to have something on the college side up on the site just about every day. So uh, we're, we're hoping to to hold to that and, and give you guys that. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Healy BA. That's at Joe Healy BA.
1: Joe, thanks for joining us today on the rundown, man. I appreciate it. I hope you and your family stay safe.
2: Hey, same to you, Rob. I appreciate it.
1: Joe Healy from Baseball America. I've kind of, uh, uh, he kind of was like telling us that he was not on board with the Tiger King. Yeah. Like, like he was, it almost felt like he was kind of like, I'm above talking about the Tiger King. I'm just not going to do it anyway, but he does put out some good baseball material. Go and check out Joe's stuff at baseballamerica.com. A uh, couple things we're going to get into today include Dick Vitell says that two major programs are going to catch some uh craziness as far as um uh, major allegations are coming against two programs and then of course the thing last night that with HBO or wait it was 2 days ago about LSU. Yeah, we'll get into that and a lot more. You're listening to the rundown this is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Yeah! Welcome back to the Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. You know, Dick Vitale said uh, something that was interesting that uh, major allegations are coming for two programs. You know, I, I find it really hard to believe when someone says something about major allegations, especially when it comes to college basketball because I don't think anybody cares. And I mean that because you see so many different things that are out there. and I always pivot back to North Carolina where they basically had an academic scandal for years and years and years and didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, they 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 lost some scholarships here or there, but as far as what should have happened to them, that's not... In the grand scheme of things, it makes you think the NCAA is toothless. But... Dick Vitale says major allegations are coming for two programs. Uh, I don't know how far that's going to go, to be completely honest with you. I don't know. We'll see uh, how that comes about as we move along here, as uh, I'm trying to bring up the rest of the story here on uh, on my laptop. But the crazy thing is, make sure I give you exactly what he says. He says, Many naysayers claim the NCAA enforcement staff will not do anything in relation to the sleazy stuff shown during the scheme and the hoops trial. Trust me, reliable sources tell me that LSU and Arizona basketball will be hit with major allegations by the NCAA. Well, play ball, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what you can do there, Mr. NCAA. Uh, Why don't you go back and hit North Carolina, too? Serious. Because... According to that HBO documentary, the scheme, as they're calling it, if you you've heard the story with Will Wade, and you can actually hear, and I've retweeted this, so go and find it on Twitter. It's at Rob Sounds Good. I can't play it on the air because it's uh, some of the language in it is very very salty. But Wade did say the following: We could compensate him with more than the NBA rookie minimum. Uh, Christian Dawkins says you're probably right about that. We'll give him more than the NBA D-League. And then he's talking about Jermaine Smart. I was thinking last night on the Smart thing. I'll be honest with you. I'm blank tired of dealing with this thing like I'm tired of dealing with it. Um, I, I went to him with a strong offer about a month ago. The problem was I know why he didn't take it now. It was tilted toward the family a bit. But, I mean, What is the deal with this offer? And I'm paraphrasing here simply because I can't use all of the the language that this guy used. If the NCAA, let's just say that we're going to step out of the box for a second and we're going to give them the North Carolina situation. And we're going to say, okay, you know what? You messed up there, but you know what? We're going to forgive you. If LSU basketball doesn't get hammered by the NCAA, they are proving that they are a toothless organization and we should get to a point where Power 5 conferences should be like, why are we even letting you do this? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's not like you're going to bust the people that are cheating like Will Wade, who point blank says he can pay guys more than D-League players are making. I mean, what, what do you do, NCAA, besides make us uh, crazy with some of the stuff that you put out there? Have compliance officers so upset on every little thing that, that Trevor Launch tries to raise money for COVID-19 stuff and Clemson compliance has to shut him down because they're afraid it's going to affect his eligibility. That's what you do, but you can't deal with LSU. You've got the tape that says point blank, hey, I'm doing this. I could pay them more than the D-League. And what do you do? We have to wait 18 months, even though we have the tape that's right in front of us. What, what exactly are you going to do, NCAA? Uh, you know, the ball is in your court. Now, what they'll probably do is that LSU will put together a group of attorneys, and the attorneys will, will talk about, well, this stuff was from a long time ago, and blah, 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 and then it'll be, well, we don't want to affect the kids that are there now. Look, kids are smart. Okay, And if you're a parent of one of of your child, and your child's saying, you know what, I'm thinking about going to LSU, you shouldn't go down that road. You should advise them, hey, they may be getting in trouble here. You shouldn't go to Arizona because, hey, they may be getting in trouble. Maybe find somewhere else to play. Because right now, it doesn't look good at all for those two schools. And I'm hoping that the NCAA doesn't repeat what they did with North Carolina, where they didn't really give them anything. 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call. I have not watched the full uh, video of the scheme. I've got it in my list of of COVID-19 viewing. I've been caught up with uh, my Chuck Norris movies and Ozark on Netflix, so I'm trying to get through those, but I may part the ways a little bit and watch the scheme tonight so I can get a full uh, vibe completely on it. But as of right now, it just, just from the stuff that I've read, and we knew this stuff with LSU from a long time ago. Did you hear anything on the national front about Will Wade? Nope. He was allowed to go right back to his job. And it, my friends, is a mess. We'll take your calls on this. And I'd love to hear what you're doing as far as uh, the sports void, how you're filling it. 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call if you want to join us on the rundown this afternoon. Also, the list coming up, top five WrestleMania matches of all time. We'll have that momentarily. And are you a fool to believe? I've got several things on each SEC team. Are you a fool if you believe the following? We'll talk about that and a lot more. You're listening to the rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Strap in. It's time for The List. The List this afternoon on Fox Sports Radio 1400. You know, we had Mike Mooneyham on the other day, and he talked a little bit about WrestleMania and how WrestleMania is going to still happen. Yes. I don't think this year's WrestleMania is going to be on the... You know, where they have, like, it's the grandest stage of them all. You hear that so many times. But the reality is, is that this WrestleMania, the majority of the matches, from what Mike Mooneyham told told us, are already taped and in the box. So you have no idea. Uh, It's not going to have, the idea that I'm uh, I'm putting out there is is that you're not going to have as big and as of a grand of WrestleMania as you've had before. Remember, what was it last year? Charlotte Flair arriving in a helicopter, kind of reminiscent of the way her dad did it a long time ago. Yeah, you're not going to have any of that. So, but I thought it'd be fun to have the top five WrestleMania matches of all time. Of course, these this is just my opinion. You can express yours at 803 978 Number five. Number five for me, and I was kind of jacked about this last year which was um, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch doing their thing the first time the women had the main event spot in WrestleMania. Just the historic value of it. And, you know, if you watch Charlotte Flair do her thing in the ring, she's amazing just from a physical standpoint, the stuff she can do. And she's just so accurate and, and just carries herself so great. Anything that she's in is definitely worth watching. Number four. Number four on the list this afternoon. Top WrestleMania matches of all time. Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. Ric Flair's retirement match. You know, it was uh, depressing because you could just see it coming. And, you know, the end of Ric Flair. And having Shawn Michaels do it, that's kind of... Kind of the smart way to go, in my opinion, for the WWE. Number three. Number three on the list this afternoon. You know, you've got um, Hulk Hogan and The Ultimate Warrior, where they they wrestled against each other. It's gonna be those two bashing heads, where everybody loved both of them because let's be honest, the Warrior was over, man. Everybody loved the Warrior, and Hulk Hogan who. Everybody loved Hulk Hogan. So it's like you got two guys that you didn't really know who to cheer for. I mean, it really was a mess there, but it was must-see television. Number two. Number two, shout-out to Scott watching online. Scott says it's the first time ever he's not looking forward to WrestleMania. Scott, sir, I know that you're probably like me. You can't really leave the house. You might as well watch it anyway. Give you something to pick at. I might do some live chat during the uh, During WrestleMania, I don't know. I'm debating on that. I'm sure Mike Mooneyham, at by Mike Mooneyham, will have all kinds of cool stuff. Ah, I jumped the gun there. Number two on the list this afternoon is, in my opinion, Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin. This is the one where Mike Tyson was in the ring with them. And he didn't really know what Mike Tyson was going to do. If you go back and listen to the stories now, you hear about how Shawn Michaels was pretty much beat down on a lot of uh, drugs and everything else. He wasn't really the... Shawn Michaels that we know now, okay? But he was still Shawn Michaels and still put in a heck of a match with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And at number 2, I mean, it was the height of the so-called Attitude Era that everybody loved so much, and it was all edgy and and Mike Tyson in the ring too. Let's not put for uh, let's not put that out of the picture. It is insane. Insane how that was. Okay, and then finally, Number one, without question, even though the match, if you go back and watch it, the match wasn't like a great match, but it's Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And the reason being is because as a kid, I was still in that I still believe era. And I'm watching and looking up and and I'm seeing all this stuff of the little bit of the WWE that we could get where I was at. And you got the mentality of they build Andre the Giant as undefeated. Uh, for so many years, and he was the eighth wonder of the world, and seven foot tall, and 500 pounds, and you're sitting there, and you're looking at this, and you're thinking, how can my, who you thought was your buddy, how can Hulk Hogan overcome this big, huge guy? And you're watching, and you're thinking, man, Andre's going to squish him. Andre's going to pick him up and strangle him, and that is going to be the end of it. Of course, they had 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome. If you go back and watch this match, it's not, just from a wrestling standpoint, it's not very great. In fact, Andre the Giant looked like he couldn't even really move around the ring. He really couldn't. So, for me, I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know what? It wasn't that great. But then I think about the build-up. I think about Hulk Hogan on Andre, uh, or excuse me, in Piper's pit. And I'm thinking about uh, he rips the cross off of him and kind of cuts his cuts cuts Hulk Hogan's chest. And Hulk Hogan's looking down at this, and and Roddy Piper being Roddy Piper and doing what Roddy Piper did. And then when they come into the ring, you can see it's one of the best wrestling images of all time. It still holds up to this day. Bobby the Brain Heenan and Andre the Giant in like a little makeshift ring pulled by a, I guess like a four wheeler or something, where they drag they bring them to the ring in this thing and they the trash is just showering in as they're all throwing stuff at andre the giant and because you know they hated him they absolutely hated him he was the perfect villain at the time for hulk hogan and hogan comes to the ring and it's so weird because he's looking around and going to the ring he's just jacked i mean it looked like he may have uh he may have hit the uh The speed button in the back, or something, because he was just it looked like he was so jacked and ready to get into that match. But then he gets to the ring and he looks up and he sees this mammoth human being of Andre the Giant and he's looking up at him. And of course, Jesse Ventura doing the tail of the tape and he tells you Hulk Hogan is six foot eight and Hogan's still looking up at the Giant. Ladies and gentlemen, I am five nine. Okay, I couldn't imagine having to get into a ring and wrestle even in, in in like the sports entertainment wrestling era of hey you're going to wrestle with andre the giant that's not going to work but to this day just the the background on that match and that's the match that in my opinion set off the WWF at the time it's just one of the best and it's it's one of those things i try to share with my kids now my kids don't get it because they don't under, they don't they don't have the they don't appreciate andre the giant because they don't They don't see the aura that that I saw when I was a kid. Okay, they're they're used to Roman Reigns and John Cena and Rey Mysterio and guys like that right now that can jump around and do some stuff. But Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, that is definitely at number one. Some that just barely missed the list. Uh, Brock Lesnar versus uh, Seth Rollins versus... Roman Reigns in WrestleMania 31, that was a big one with Rollins cashing in there. Also, a couple other ones, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. This one almost made number five for me, but I, did, I wanted to have the women's match in there because of just the significance of it. Now You can make the argument that uh, The Undertaker and his streak being broken by Brock Lesnar, that's a huge thing, but let, let's be honest, isn't it more real? that Brock Lesnar, if you really had to have those two fighting, that Brock Lesnar could come out on top. I mean, he's a former UFC world champion. So him beating The Undertaker, yes, it was a big deal. But in my mind, it's like, if it was a, a real fight, I think I'd go with, the, uh, I'd go with Brock Lesnar. I really do. So that's kind of when I was putting that together last night, I was like, you know what? That's the way that I'm going to go with it. So if you want to talk wrestling today, we can at 803-978-1832. Did I miss your favorite WrestleMania match? I will take all uh, all calls on that, but number one will not be shook in my mind. It's Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, period. I can't entertain any of the other ones because it's going to make the conversation go off track. But if you have another one, some people, uh, a couple of my friends liked Hulk Hogan versus The Rock in WrestleMania 18. Yeah, that was a big one. You got the old lion up there and Hulk Hogan, who was uh, almost 50 and the rock wrestling and the rock basically carried Hogan to a good match. That was a big one. A couple others. You've got uh, the hell in the cell with the undertaker versus triple H. That was a good one too. And the no disqualification match for the uh, WWF championship stone cold versus the rock. Those are all big in my mind. So 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832, if you want to talk a little bit about that. And are you going to watch WrestleMania this weekend? I know some folks, uh, just like uh, the gentleman that was watching on Facebook earlier, he was talking about how he's he's not into uh, WrestleMania this year. I'm like, yeah, but we're going to watch, though. We're going to watch. I'm going to probably tweet out during WrestleMania. I'll definitely do that. 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832. I do have a football topic today we'll get into in just a moment. You are listening to The Rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Welcome back to The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. My name is Rob Sanders, 803-978-1832. Lawton Swan of Clumps at Sports Talk. He is at Castle de Swan. He would uh, love to chat with you this afternoon or have you uh, join his show. Check him out at 4 o'clock. The number to dial is 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832 is the number to call. If you want to join us on the rundown this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400, of course, I will take your calls on wrestling, but I also will take your calls on uh, the stuff with Will Wade If that guy doesn't lose his job and LSU doesn't get hammered with some stuff, the NCAA is literally toothless. And they have no, I mean, I think they just pick on teams that are not blue bloods, in my opinion. That's kind of where I'm at with the NCAA. 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832 is the number to call. NC State, of course, uh, as I said, we will take your calls on my my top five wrestling matches, too, if you want to get into that. Um, Penn State's AD did say something about college football today. You know, we've been talking about the ramp-up. How long will it take to get everything squared away where we can actually have a college football season? According to Penn State's AD, it's going to take 60 days. So think about this from a perspective of, We have to have everything at a point where we somewhat feel that it's safe to have these events and then 60 days after that. And that is from the Penn State Athletic Director, uh, Sandy Barber. 60-day window is what they think they need to wrap up for football and not have health concerns relative to playing the game. So that's where we're at. And I think people need to understand that the whole thing with social distancing does work. It's the one thing all the doctors and everybody agrees on. It's important. If you want college football season, you got to stay in the house to flatten the curve. Simple as that. You do that, we got a better shot. 803 978 1832. 803 978 1832 is the number to call. If you want to join us on the rundown this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400, course, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. You can check out the podcast whenever you want to, by the way. That's up uh, on the on the page and on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, the iHeartRadio app. Just look for The Rundown with Rob Sanders. It's right there. I've had some great interviews here in the past couple of weeks. Uh, everything from former UFC champion Michael Bisbing to former Dallas Cowboys head coach Wade Phillips. You name it, it's all been right there on the podcast. You can check them out anytime that you want. So I've got a couple of things here on some uh, one other football note today. And I found this on, I can't remember which website it was on, but it's basically an assumption that we have on every SEC team. Okay, and do you think that we would be a fool if we believed that? It kind of coincided with April Fool's Day. All right? So right, I'm going to read you some of these. And some of these are are very uh, interesting, to say the least. And these are all just on SEC teams. The first one is Alabama. The days of Nick Saban having a dominant defense at Alabama are over. You know what? I'm not buying that. I think you'd be a fool if you believe that. Last year's Alabama defense had four freshmen starting in the front seven because of injuries. They did not have their best player in Dylan Moses. And you know what? The Alabama defense still finished number 13 in the country. Can you imagine what that defense would have done if they were completely healthy? And I'm not sitting here saying that I'm an Alabama fan because I'm not, all right? But the reality is is that you have to, when you look at it from things in a vacuum, basically, if Alabama had everybody they were supposed to have, that defense would have been a lot different. But without without them, they still finished 13th in the country. You were playing with four freshmen in your front seven, and they still finished 13th in the country. I think you're a fool to believe that Alabama's not going to have a dominant defense anymore under Nick Saban. 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832. We're not going to have time to get through every team today, but we'll get through some, and then I'll save the rest for tomorrow. Let's go with the Florida Gators. They should be the obvious SEC East favorites. I think you would be... Uh, I think that's a very safe thing to say. Why? Because I think that Georgia is a fraud. They keep putting together all these number one, number two recruiting classes. Yeah, Kirby Smart's getting the job done on the recruiting trail, but he's not converting that into SEC titles. He's not doing it. He's not converting it into national titles, which is where you should be if you're recruiting at that high of a level. I think Florida's the favorite there. Their coach down there, Dan Mullen, has gotten better every season. And with that, the next step, I think they're going to knock off Georgia and they will be in Atlanta, no doubt. Kentucky, no more Lynn Bowden means back to the SEC basement. You know, I've had my, my Gamecock friends that tell me, oh, well, we're, we're going to stop Kentucky this year. Uh, hold off on that for a little bit. Kentucky's won five out of the last six against South Carolina. Kentucky has a good coach in Mark Stoops. They returned the majority of that uh, defense from last season that was really good. And they also get Terry Wilson back, who was their starting quarterback. They also have an experienced offensive line. Kentucky's going to be a good football team this year. I'm not saying great. I don't think they're going to win the East. But to think that Kentucky is going to be a 5-7 and seven football team, nah. I'm coming up a little short on that. Out to the phones we go. 803-978-1832. And good afternoon. Welcome to the rundown. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up, man?
0: Um, uh, just calling in. Um, uh, wanted to talk about uh, WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, have at it, buddy. What do you think?
0: Uh, I just—I I was the one that that put on here on on Facebook that uh, I wasn't looking forward to it. That doesn't mean I'm not going to watch it, though.
1: I hear you. <laughs> we don't have anything new to watch. It—it's the only show in town right now, other than iRacing, right?
0: right right exactly so, so you're going to watch mean, we're going to watch the only thing is i don't know how they're going to get the the majesty of wrestlemania without a crowd without the pops you know what i'm saying
1: i think fan we're, we're trained now as fans where you have to get that fan reaction and if you don't it just feels hollow like i've done i've been a ring announcer for my buddy shane Doerr with palmetto championship wrestling and we'll, I'll go in, front of, in the ring in front of 400 people at one of his shows. When you step into the ring with 400 people, even if you're a guy that's just like me, a chunky guy from nowhere, and you take that microphone and you say something, and the entire crowd, it almost feels like they're hugging you. I mean, it really does. I, right. How can you possibly be able to perform when you're used to 100,000 people doing the same thing? It's definitely going to feel off to me.
0: Right. And, and I mean, you know, we're used to WrestleMania, you know, big spots, people doing run-ins. It's not the same without seeing the crowd popping when somebody comes out, you know, or, or all the heads turning from the ring, you know, on TV and you know that somebody's doing a, a run-in. I don't know how they're going to get, you know, the, the magic of that. I mean, I understand they have the lasers, they have the lights, they're going to have the pyrotechnics, but without the crowd, it's just not going to be the same.
1: I agree with you on that. Is there a match you're looking forward to, though, with or without the crowd?
0: Um, To be honest with you, they're being kind of hush-hush about it. They're saying there's a lot of changes that are happening. Last-minute things, Roman Reigns isn't going to be there. That's true. Um, uh, Other people are are, checking temperatures now. If anybody has a 100 or so degree temperature, they're not going to show up. I mean, I know they taped a lot of it last week, but – they might have to do last-minute changes and last-minute taping. So I, I really don't know what to think about. There's not really a match I'm looking forward to. Of course, there's always wrestlers I'm looking forward to. I'm a, I'm a big Becky Lynch fan. But, you know, it's just – I just want to see how they pull this off. That, that's that's the big thing for me.
1: Well, hey, man, I appreciate you joining us on the show, man. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll stick around and, and listen in the future as we get through this COVID-19 stuff together.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for
1: having me on. All right, man. Appreciate you checking us out here on the rundown this afternoon. And i tell you what. That's kind of the big thing, too. How I, I, This is the only term I can use. How the hell is Vince McMahon going to do it? How is he going to keep us where we need to go? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. We'll see with WrestleMania. It's going to be on a, a two-day event craziness craziness as we go along here with wrestlemania i'm gonna to watch tomorrow on the program we will have my friend coach eric wilson he joins us to talk about football and what we can expect it's going to be interesting to have him uh, talk a little x's and o's about what you need to do to get ready for the season because let's be honest a lot of us don't know we don't know i mean we, we watch the final product we don't know what it's like to ramp up Penn State AD says it's 60 days to ramp up. I'm going to ask Coach Wilson if that's what we need on the player front. 803-978-1832 is the number to call. If you want to join us on the rundown this afternoon, we will take calls tomorrow as we roll along here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. And, of course, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. We look forward to uh, having you with us tomorrow. Be sure to download the podcast. It's on at uh, anywhere you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rob Sanders. We'll be with you tomorrow on Fox Sports Radio 1400.